chapter four of red gauntlet by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by dion gines salt lake city utah chapter four darcy latimer's journal in continuation the morning was dawning and mr geddes and i myself were still sleeping soundly when the alarm was given by my canine bedfellow who first growled deeply at intervals and at length bore more decided testimony to the approach of some enemy i opened the door of the cottage and perceived at the distance of about two hundred yards a small but close column of men which i would have taken for a dark hedge but that i could perceive it was advancing rapidly and in silence the dog flew towards them but instantly ran howling back to me having probably been chastised by a stick or a stone uncertain as to the plan of tactics or of treaty which mr geddes might think proper to adopt i was about to retire into the cottage when he suddenly joined me at the door and slipping his arm through mine said let us go to meet them manfully we have done nothing to be ashamed of friends he said raising his voice as we approached them who and what are you and with what purpose are you here on my property a loud cheer was the answer returned and a brace of fiddlers who occupied the front of the march immediately struck up the insulting air the words of which begin merrily danced the quaker's wife and merrily danced the quaker even at that moment of alarm i think i recognized the tones of the blind fiddler will known by the name of wandering willie from his itinerant habits they continued to advance swiftly and in great order in their front the fiery fiddlers played martial airs when coming close up they surrounded us by a single movement and there was a universal cry whoop quaker whoop quaker here we have them both the wet quaker and the dry one hang up the wet quaker to dry and wet the dry one with a ducking answered another voice where is the sea otter john davies that destroyed more fish than any silch upon elsa craig exclaimed a third voice i have an old crow to pluck with him and a pock to put the feathers in we stood perfectly passive for to have attempted resistance against more than a hundred men armed with guns fish spears iron crows spades and bludgeons would have been an act of utter insanity mr geddes with his strong sonorous voice answered the question about the superintendent in a manner the manly indifference of which compelled them to attend to him john davies he said will i trust soon be at dumfries to fetch down redcoats and dragoons against us you canting old villain a blow was at the same time levelled at my friend which i parried by interposing the stick i had in my hand i was instantly struck down 
and have a faint recollection of hearing some crying kill the young spy and others as i thought interposing on my behalf but a second blow to the head received in the scuffle soon deprived me of sense and consciousness and threw me into a state of insensibility from which i did not recover immediately when i did come to myself i was lying on the bed from which i had just risen before the fray and my poor companion the newfoundland puppy its courage entirely cowed by the tumult of the riot had kept as close to me as it could and lay trembling and whining as if under the most dreadful terror i doubted at first whether i had not dreamed of the tumult until as i attempted to rise a feeling of pain and dizziness assured me that the injury i had sustained was but too real i gathered together my senses listened and heard at a distance the shouts of the rioters busy doubtless in their work of devastation i made a second effort to rise or at least to turn myself for i lay with my face to the wall of the cottage but i found that my limbs were secured and my motions effectually prevented not indeed by cords but by linen or cloth bandages swathed around my ankles and securing my arms to my sides aware of my utterly captive condition i groaned betwixt bodily pain and mental distress a voice by my bedside whispered in a whining tone wished ah ye hinny wished ah ye hold your tongue like a good bairn ye have cost us dear enough already my hinny's clean gone now knowing as i thought the phraseology of the wife of the itinerant musician i asked her where her husband was and whether he had been hurt broken answered the dame all broken to pieces fit for naught but to be made spunks of the best blood that was in scotland broken blood is your husband wounded has there been bloodshed broken limbs broken limbs i wish answered the beldam that my hinny had broken the best bane in his body before he had broken his fiddle that was the best blood in scotland it was a cremony for aught that i can pshaw only his fiddle said i i dinna ken what were your honour could have wished him to do unless he had broken his neck and this is muckle the same to my hinny willie and me pshaw indeed it is easy to say chaw but what is to give us anything to chaw the breadwinner's gone and we may even sit down and starve no no i said i will pay you for twenty such fiddles twenty such is that all ye ken about it the country hadna the like of it but if your honour were to pay us as no doubt would be to your credit here and hereafter where are ye to get the siller i have enough of money said i attempting to reach my hand towards my side pocket unloose these bandages and i will pay you on the spot this hint appeared to move her and she was approaching the bedside as i hoped 
to liberate me from my bonds when a nearer and more desperate shout was heard as if the rioters were close by the hut i dorna i dorna said the poor woman they would murder me and my hinny willie both and they have misguided us enough already but if there is anything worldly i could do for your honour leave out loosing ye what she said recalled me to my bodily suffering agitation and the effects of the usage i had received had produced a burning thirst i asked for a drink of water heaven almighty forbid that apps ainsley should give any sick gentleman cold well-water and him in a fever no no hinny let me alone i'll do better for ye than the like of that give me what you will i replied let it be but liquid and cool the woman gave me a large horn accordingly filled with spirits and water which without minute inquiry concerning the nature of its contents i drained at a draught either the spirits taken in such a manner acted more suddenly than usual on my brain or else there was some drug mixed with the beverage i remember little after drinking it off only that the appearance of things around me became indistinct that the woman's form seemed to multiply itself and to flit in various figures around me bearing the same lineaments as she herself did i remember also that the discordant noises and cries of those without the cottage seemed to die away in a hum like that with which a nurse hushes her babe at length i fell into a deep sound sleep or rather a state of absolute insensibility i have reason to think this species of trance lasted for many hours indeed for the whole subsequent day and part of the night it was not uniformly so profound for my recollection of it is chequered with many dreams all of a painful nature but too faint and too indistinct to be remembered at length the moment of waking came and my sensations were horrible a deep sound which in the confusion of my senses i identified with the cries of the rioters was the first thing of which i was sensible next i became conscious that i was carried violently forward in some conveyance with an unequal motion which gave me much pain my position was horizontal and when i attempted to stretch my hands in order to find some mode of securing myself against this species of suffering i found i was bound as before and the horrible reality rushed on my mind that i was in the hands of those who had lately committed a great outrage on property and were now about to kidnap if not to murder me i opened my eyes it was to no purpose all around me was dark for a day had passed over during my captivity a dispiriting sickness oppressed my head my heart seemed on fire 
while my feet and hands were chilled and benumbed with want of circulation it was with the utmost difficulty that i at length and gradually recovered in a sufficient degree the power of observing external sounds and circumstances and when i did so they presented nothing consolatory groping with my hands as far as the bandages would permit and receiving the assistance of some occasional glances of the moonlight i became aware that the carriage in which i was transported was one of the light carts of the country called tumblers and that a little attention had been paid to my accommodation as i was laid upon some sacks covered with matting and filled with straw without these my condition would have been still more intolerable for the vehicle sinking now on one side and now on the other sometimes sticking absolutely fast and requiring the utmost exertions of the animal which drew it to put it once more in motion was subjected to jolts in all directions which were very severe at other times it rolled silently and smoothly over what seemed to be wet sand and as i heard the distant roar of the tide i had little doubt that we were engaged in passing the formidable estuary which divides the two kingdoms there seemed to be at least five or six people about the cart some on foot others on horseback the former lent assistance whenever it was in danger of upsetting or sticking fast in the quicksand the others rode before and acted as guides often changing the direction of the vehicle as the precarious state of the passage required i addressed myself to the men around the cart and endeavoured to move their compassion i had harmed i said no one and for no action in my life had deserved such cruel treatment i had no concern whatever in the fishing-station which had incurred their displeasure and my acquaintance with mr geddes was of a very late date lastly and as my strongest argument i endeavoured to excite their fears by informing them that my rank in life would not permit me to be either murdered or secreted with impunity and to interest their avarice by the promises i made them of reward if they would effect my deliverance i only received a scornful laugh in reply to my threats my promises might have done more for the fellows were whispering together as if in hesitation and i began to reiterate and increase my offers when the voice of one of the horsemen who had suddenly come up enjoined silence to the men on foot and approaching the side of the cart said to me with a strong and determined voice young man there is no personal harm designed to you if you remain silent and quiet you may reckon on good treatment but if you endeavour to tamper with these men in the execution of their duty i shall take such measures for silencing you as you shall remember the longest day you have to live 
i thought i knew the voice which uttered these threats but in such a situation my perceptions could not be supposed to be perfectly accurate i was contented to reply whoever you are that speak to me i entreat the benefit of the meanest prisoner who is not to be subjected legally to greater hardship than is necessary for the restraint of his person i entreat that these bonds which hurt me so cruelly may be slackened at least if not removed altogether i will slacken the belts said the former speaker nay i will altogether remove them and allow you to pursue your journey in a more convenient manner provided you will give me your word of honour that you will not attempt an escape never i answered with an energy of which despair alone could have rendered me capable i will never submit to loss of freedom a moment longer than i am subjected to it by force enough he replied the sentiment is natural but do not on your side complain that i who am carrying on an important undertaking use the only means in my power for ensuring its success i entreated to know what it was designed to do with me but my conductor in a voice of menacing authority desired me to be silent on my peril and my strength and spirits were too much exhausted to permit my continuing a dialogue so singular even if i could have promised myself any good result by doing so it is proper here to add that from my recollections at the time and from what has since taken place i have the strongest possible belief that the man with whom i held this expostulation was the singular person residing at brokenburn in dumfrieshire and called by the fishers of that hamlet the laird of the solway locks the cause for his inveterate persecution i cannot pretend even to guess at in the meantime the cart was dragged heavily and wearily on until the nearer roar of the advancing tide excited the apprehension of another danger i could not mistake the sound which i had heard upon another occasion when it was only the speed of a fleet horse which saved me from perishing in the quicksands thou my dear allan canst not but remember the former circumstances and now wonderful contrast the very man to the best of my belief who then saved me from peril was the leader of the lawless band who had deprived me of my liberty i conjectured that the danger grew imminent for i heard some words and circumstances which made me aware that a rider hastily fastened his own horse to the shaft of the cart in order to assist the exhausted animal which drew it and the vehicle was now pulled forward at a faster pace which the horses were urged to maintain by blows and curses the men however were inhabitants of the neighbourhood and i had strong personal reason 
to believe that one of them at least was intimately acquainted with all the depths and shallows of the perilous paths in which we were engaged but they were in imminent danger themselves and if so as from the whispering and exertions to push on with the cart was much to be apprehended there was little doubt that i should be left behind as a useless encumbrance and that while i was in a condition which rendered every chance of escape impracticable these were awful apprehensions but it pleased providence to increase them to a point which my brain was scarcely able to endure as we approached very near to a black line which dimly visible as it was i could make out to be the shore we heard two or three sounds which appeared to be the report of firearms immediately all was bustle among our party to get forward presently a fellow galloped up to us crying out where hawk where hawk the land sharks are out from berg and allenby tom will lose his cargo if you do not bear a hand most of my company seemed to make hastily for the shore on receiving this intelligence a driver was left with the cart but at length when after repeated and hairbreadth escapes it actually stuck fast in a slough or quicksand the fellow with an oath cut the harness and as i presume departed with the horse whose feet i heard splashing over the wet sand and through the shallows as he galloped off the dropping sound of firearms was still continued but lost almost entirely in the thunder of the advancing surge by a desperate effort i raised myself in the cart and attaining a sitting posture which served only to show me the extent of my danger there lay my native land my own england the land where i was born and to which my wishes since my earliest age had turned with all the prejudices of national feeling there it lay within a furlong of the place where i yet was that furlong which an infant would have raced over in a minute was yet a barrier effectual to divide me for ever from england and from life i soon not only heard the roar of this dreadful torrent but saw by the fitful moonlight the foamy crest of the devouring waves as they advanced with the speed and fury of a pack of hungry wolves the consciousness that the slightest ray of hope or power of struggling was not left me quite overcame the constancy which i had hitherto maintained my eyes began to swim my head grew giddy and mad with fear i chattered and howled to the howling and roaring sea one or two great waves already reached the cart when the conductor of the party whom i have mentioned so often was as if by magic at my side he sprang from his horse into the vehicle cut the ligatures which restrained me and bade me get up and mount in the fiend's name seeing i was incapable of obeying he seized me as if i had been a child of six months old threw me across the horse sprang on behind supporting with one hand 
while he directed the animal with the other in my helpless and painful posture i was unconscious of the degree of danger which we incurred but i believe at one time the horse was swimming or nearly so and that it was with difficulty that my stern and powerful assistant kept my head above water i remember particularly the shock which i felt when the animal endeavouring to gain the bank reared and very nearly fell back on his burden the time during which i continued in this dreadful condition did not probably exceed two or three minutes yet so strongly were they marked with horror and agony that they seem to my recollection a much more considerable space of time when i had been thus snatched from destruction i had only power to say to my protector or oppressor for he merited either name at my hand you do not then design to murder me he laughed as he replied but it was a sort of laughter which i scarce desire to hear again else you think i had let the waves do the work but remember the shepherd saves his sheep from the torrent is it to preserve its life be silent however with questions or entreaties what i mean to do thou canst no more discover or prevent than a man with his bare palm can scoop dry the solway i was too much exhausted to continue the argument and still numbed and torpid in all my limbs permitted myself without reluctance to be placed on a horse brought for the purpose my formidable conductor rode on the one side and another person on the other keeping me upright in the saddle in this manner we travelled forward at a considerable rate and by by-roads with which my attendant seemed as familiar as with the perilous passages of the solway at length after stumbling through a labyrinth of dark and deep lanes and crossing more than one rough and barren heath we found ourselves on the edge of a high road where a chase and four awaited as it appeared our arrival to my great relief we now changed our mode of conveyance for my dizziness and headache had returned in so strong a degree that i should otherwise have been totally unable to keep my seat on horseback even with the support which i received my doubted and dangerous companion signed to me to enter the carriage the man who had ridden on the left side of my horse stepped in after me and drawing up the blinds of the vehicle gave the signal for instant departure i had obtained a glimpse of the countenance of my new companion as by the aid of a dark lantern the drivers opened the carriage door and i was well-nigh persuaded that i recognized in him the domestic of the leader of this party whom i had seen at his house in brokenburn on a former occasion to ascertain the truth of my suspicion i asked him whether his name was not crystal nixon what is other folks names to you he replied gruffly who cannot tell your own father and mother you know them perhaps i exclaimed eagerly you know them 
and with that secret is connected the treatment which i am now receiving it must be so for in my life have i never injured any one tell me the cause of my misfortunes or rather help me to my liberty and i will reward you richly ay ay replied my keeper but what use to give you liberty who know nothing how to use it like a gentleman but spend your time with quakers and fiddlers and such like raff if i was your hem 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 here crystal stopped short just on the point as it appeared when some information was likely to escape him i urged him once more to be my friend and promised him all the stock of money which i had about me and it was not inconsiderable if he would assist in my escape he listened as if to a proposition which had some interest and replied but in a voice rather softer than before ay but men do not catch old birds with chaff my master where have you got the rhino you are so flush of i will give you earnest directly and that in bank-notes said i but thrusting my hand into my side-pocket i found my pocket-book was gone i would have persuaded myself that it was only the numbness of my hands which prevented my finding it but crystal nixon who bears in his countenance that cynicism which is especially entertained with human misery no longer suppressed his laughter oh ho my young master he said we have taken good enough care you have not kept the means of bribing poor folks fidelity what man they have souls as well as other people and to make them break trust is a deadly sin and as for me young gentleman if you would fill st mary's kirk with gold crystal nixon would mind it no more than so many chucky stones i would have persisted were it but in hopes of his letting drop that which it concerned me to know but he cut off further communication by desiring me to lean back in the corner and go to sleep thou art cock-brained enough already he added and we shall have thy young pate addled entirely if you do not take some natural rest i did indeed require repose if not slumber the draught which i had taken continued to operate and satisfied in my own mind that no attempt on my life was designed the fear of instant death no longer combated the torpor which crept over me i slept and slept soundly but still without refreshment when i awoke i found myself extremely indisposed images of the past and anticipations of the future floated confusedly through my brain i perceived however that my situation was changed greatly for the better i was in a good bed with the curtains drawn round it i heard the lowered voice and cautious step of attendants who seemed to respect my repose it appeared as if i was in the hands either of friends or of such as meant me no personal harm 
i can give but an indistinct account of two or three broken and feverish days which succeeded but if they were chequered with dreams and visions of terror other and more agreeable objects were also sometimes presented alan fairford will understand me when i say i am convinced i saw g m during this interval of oblivion i had medical attendance and was bled more than once i also remember a painful operation performed on my head where i had received a severe blow on the night of the riot my hair was cut short and the bone of the skull examined to discover if the cranium had received any injury on seeing the physician it would have been natural to have appealed to him on the subject of my confinement and i remember more than once attempting to do so but the fever lay like a spell upon my tongue and when i would have implored the doctor's assistance i rambled from the subject and spoke i know not what nonsense some power which i was unable to resist seemed to impel me into a different course of conversation from what i intended and though conscious in some degree of the failure i could not mend it and resolved therefore to be patient until my capacity of steady thought and expression was restored to me with my ordinary health which had sustained a severe shock from the vicissitudes to which i had been exposed End of chapter four